Yo, you and I and so many others, everybody that you know, we have riddles to solve. Why are we here? What is our purpose? And these are questions that open up the gates of freedom and happiness and allow us to enter in search of our personal legends. But it's not easy. It's really, 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 really not easy. And we can only decide for ourselves how to approach and answer these questions. However, we can learn from and motivate and support each other along the way. We can share our beast mode creative energy to keep raging our forces forward in the right direction long after we are gone. In this moment, I want to share some energy that empowers me every day to keep manifesting happiness and freedom in my life, no matter what kind of gremlins come knocking on my door. I can feel that you need it. I want to see you ruling at the top of your happiness empire too. So here's my thought. You must elevate your mind to make decisions based on your immortal influence and not your momentary feelings. Everything that you touch, create, share, and launch into the universe will be here long after you. So what purpose will it serve? Just as our physical bodies produce children and then they produce grandchildren, our creative bodies do the same. Every creative entity that you bring into this world will have a chance to reproduce new forms of creativity into the world when it meets the right partner. Books from authors who passed hundreds of years ago influence this passage, which is now influencing you. Meditation practices from thousands of years ago are still the driving force behind peace and energy and creation of modern spiritual shamans. By not manifesting your magic today, you are depriving those that follow of the powerful energy that you have to offer. Why settle for being a king when you can be a fucking god? Why settle for watching someone else create their dreams when you can create your own? The world needs your offerings. What kind of power will you leave for the freedom fighters that follow in this great awakening? Because one day... You're going to physically expire, and this doesn't have to be the end of you. Everything that you work on, everything that you create, and everything that you influence will continue to work, create, and influence long after you pass. The world will absorb your flesh and become one with your sacred creations. They guarantee your immortality. So what message do you want to leave? What energy do you want to pass on? And I think you know it needs to be done. I'm Heath Armstrong. And this is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon while your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, miggity milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Jawohl, 
this is Commandant Klinkterbrutter Feiterhosen, and I am calling to urge you to stop listening to the Rage Create podcast. Yes, there are better ways of creating your evil empire. I will show you. Now we will do the memory extraction from our inferiors and use them to create our brand new engine of massive domination and destruction. Ha 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 ha! And no rage required, just happiness. So, Stop listening to this podcast and start building your evil empire today. <laughs> well, that came in through the uh, the voice messaging. If you guys want to leave messages, including hate mail, go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice. I will play them no matter what. Um, Yo, sorry about the giant gap in, in episodes. It's been a wild couple months, some extreme uh, changes in life. If you had listened to episode 11, you may have heard a little bit about that. But I'm raging right now. I'm in North Carolina. We are fulfilling the Rage Create Kickstarter that we ran, which is incredible. We've got hundreds of packages to get sent out, um, and we have this magnificent view over the huge valley of Utah Mountain and out just outside of Waynesville, North Carolina, near Asheville, and it's it's glorious. So with this glorious landscape and all the glorious energy around me, there is nothing better that I can really be well, there's nothing that I could be more excited to share with you than this episode that I have today with Mary Shores, because I've been thinking about this episode since I recorded it, which was just a couple days after fuckery hit me pretty hard. And I have to believe that the universe put that conversation in my lap for a reason. Mary is amazing, and I'll get back to that in a second. Um, first, thank you for everybody who has left reviews on iTunes and anybody who has left reviews on Amazon for the Sweet Ass Journal. I am putting that money together to send to Help International, which is the school that I work with in Uganda. So for every review you guys leave, I do donate two more dollars. And it's a way for us to work together and help these kids get their mattresses. Uh, get their clothing, get their tuition, and get food for their family even, and drink clean water. And it's it's place that I've been. I mean, I've been with these kids. I know exactly what it is there, and it's a beautiful thing. If anybody is interested in sponsoring a kid for $30 a month, please do contact me at heath at fistpumps.com. It changes their life. They become your pen pal. Uh, it's it's very fascinating, and it's, it's an incredible process. So, again... Um, I really just want to dive straight into this episode. I, I don't have anything else to say on, along the lines of the Kickstarter other than that you guys can still pre-order the domination decks that are coming in. So the pre-order is going to be taken down very soon and then it's going to be just a full-blown store. So if you go to RageCreate.com, check that out. Um, if you want to send me selfies with your nipples hanging out, just text me at 859-314-5958. That's actually my number. And um, yeah, so... This episode is called The Answer is Unconditional Love. It's an ayahuasca exploration with Mary Shores. And Mary is a, an award-winning Hay House author. And she is the author of Conscious Communications, which is your step-by-step -step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, your life. And she's a speaker and the founder of a multi-million dollar business. And Mary came to me through a connection of Paul Lamb. Paul, what up? Um, and like I said, it was it was just perfect timing for me. 
It's not easy to open up discussion about personal trauma or hardships or the feeling of life just falling apart in your lap. And as humans, it's more comfortable to retreat, to hide, and busy ourselves with bullshit in place of confronting the obstacles. Lately, there has been a glorious explosion in the exploration of Mother Ayahuasca in the Western world. And although many people, they flock, or many have kind of taken that on as a pastime to go down and do ayahuasca without really having an intention, without preparing or even really knowing the power of this medicine or having any type of respect for the power of the mother. Um, even though all that's happening, there is a wake, there is a, there's a huge awakening with mass healing that is going on in those who are aware in those who are prepared and those who are respectful. The problem is being able to put this type of experience into words to channel that to others to let them know what kind of healing um, this type of thing can have on your life. I've spent several years educating myself on ayahuasca through deep conversations and other various resources, but I've never actually explored the medicine myself because it really just isn't my time yet. I have faith that I'll know when it is my time, just like many that do prepare themselves say, but as I opened up my laptop to meet with Mary Shores, for a discussion about business, when I popped it on open, like I forgot that she had just returned from like a healing ceremony in the Amazon jungle, um, in the rainforest, guided by the powers of ayahuasca and some very, very powerful uh, curanders and, and healers and shamans around her. So naturally, my immediate mindset around like developing this big business, immediately, it just changed. Like I was, I got so excited because I remembered like, oh my God, she went down there and did this. This is an experience topic. This is something that we're really going to get to dive into. And that's what we do. So naturally, our conversation explored this experience and the healing that lifted her out of her lifelong hardships and trauma. Now, Mary says she went through some extremely difficult hardships as, as a baby, as a young adult, um, all sorts of really, really, really hard things that she talks about. And, and you can listen to the episode to find out about those. She explains it much easier than me. But anyone that has explored ayahuasca may know that it's generally impossible to put this experience into words that others can understand. But in this episode, I was blown away with Mary's ability to do just that. If you are interested in rebirth, if you're interested in alignment, healing, or awakening, this episode will guide you into those powers. It will give you a nice palette where maybe it was just a mess of paints before that you couldn't understand. If you're interested in just learning a little bit about this medicine and what it can do and how it can affect your life in, in the future and those around you in this overall great awakening, this episode's gonna kick your ass. So yeah, special thanks to Paul for connecting me to Mary. Um, I'm really, really, really excited to get into this. So I'm just going to kick it off as soon as possible. Again, uh, ragecrate.com for the Sweet Ass Domination deck. Go to amazon.com and search for the Sweet Ass Journal. It's on sale right now. I just put it on sale this morning for $13.99. If you want to create a system for uh, aligning the next 100 days to, to bring more happiness into your life through minimalism and setting priorities and setting your vision and working towards it every single day. Um, and then Mary had an incredible resource guide. So everything that she mentions in the show, she went ahead and put it into a guide for us. So it's, it's a resource guide full of books and documentaries and podcasts, retreat centers, terminology. And you can download that if you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast, 
click the episode 12 link. Um, there will be a big picture of Mary that says ayahuasca resource guide. You can click that and you can download her resource guide and it has all sorts of good information on it. So go watch some of those documentaries, read some more books, listen to some of these incredible podcasts that she's picked out. You can check out some of the retreat centers that she's familiar with and some more terminology. Um, and then for every single episode, we do do a giveaway. I did not ask Mary to give something away on this episode, but we are giving away a sweet ass domination deck. So check that out at ragecrate.com. But if you want to enter into get that free deck, go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. You'll be entered to win that and also many, many, many other goodies for every episode that comes out in the future. And that might just include pics of me and my undies. <laughs> okay, let's get cereal here. This is Mary Shores. Uh, this is Never Stop Peaking. Let's do it. Let me start at the very beginning. Mary, um, you, you did Tony Robbins right after the ayahuasca treatment. You, that was 10 days. So how often were you actually doing the ceremony when you were down there? How often did you actually? Uh, we did five ceremonies during yeah. that time. Was it yeah. every other day? Pretty much. It was every it was every other day. And it worked out that like on the last two days, we did back-to-back ceremonies. So we did like a Saturday night ceremony. And then we did another one for lunch on Sunday. Wow. And then we left uh, the next day. I think it was a Monday. How long Maybe? have you been back? Um, gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what was your, well, what was the, what, what day did you first go down? Wait, Do you remember the date? Are you ready to start? Yeah, I'm rolling with we it should, already. I was going to say, we should just do all this on the show. Yeah, we are. I'm already recording. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. Okay. I was going to tell you that like, I, I purposely don't, I don't get into like the, the rabbit holes of, of researching you in particular, because i I'm really press authentic conversation. I like how they unravel naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I purposely do that. And, and it was perfect that you pinged that up right at the beginning. Cause I'm really interested in how, what you would think about going to a Tony Robbins event would be like, but then putting it right after something like a 10 day ayahuasca retreat in Peru and how that would sure. change the mindset of the whole thing. So full, full, full disclosure, I am no virgin to Tony Robbins events. I was definitely a virgin to ayahuasca experiences, but um, the Tony Robbins event, I was actually on the crew and my entire purpose of going was just because I had a, a group of six people that I was going with. So I had some staff members that I wanted to, wanted to attend as well Internally, as like with your company. Yeah, yeah. And then also a friend, you know, just like a group of people. And I also my son who just turned 17 on Sunday during the event, I wanted him to go because he hasn't been before. So like my best mom ever. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Uh, We need to call him up and you can like explain that to him. Um, (laughs) 
So really my intentions were that I initially thought like this would be a really cool thing because, you know, at Tony Robbins, like the energy when you've got 9,000 of your best friends all in the same place and it's a really good energetic experience as far as like when you hear the people do the screaming and the cheering and if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, it's like a rock revival. You know, there's a lot of things going on. And there's a lot of hugging and there's a lot of just, you know, like streakers. I don't There's no, I did not see any streakers, <laughs> but if you go and you're going to streak, let me know. Cause I'll be there with the video camera. <laughs> Hoping that will go viral. So yeah, I thought it would be a really great experience, but it was a little overwhelming and mostly because right before that I had actually broken three toes. Wow, and wow. so and that is never an interesting story, you know, it, cause it's probably true. It was not, it would be interesting if it happened in Peru, but it didn't. So it's just like, you know, involves a ball and a door and it's not interesting. So I'm kind of like limping around and, and I'm realizing that, you know what, I'm supposed to be resting right now. Like that is not, I should not be trying to rock revival it out with Tony Robbins, but, but really what I should be doing is resting because after, you know, you've got, you go to Peru, at least for me. We're talking 24 hours of travel to get there, 24 hours of travel to get home. And, you know, it's the 10 day experience being in the jungle. And I literally went deep in the jungle. I'm telling you, like, I got dropped off on a bus on the side of a road and hiked like four miles into the jungle. Maybe it wasn't four miles, but whatever. It took a while <laughs> to hike Were you through bushwhacking? the I don't know what that means. Like, so was, probably, there a, was there a pretty solid trail or you pretty much like? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool, actually, because a lot of it was, like, covered with uh, planks. So you got to, like, walk on these, oh. in, like, <laughs> like two-by-fours or something. That was really fun. Like, actually, it was a, such a perfect way to start the adventure off. And I was going with a very specific group of people. So when I was doing my research, like, prior to ayahuasca, I was uh, researched it for about six years. And then when I got really serious about it in, like, the last few months, I had watched a documentary with um, Rack Razam called Aya Awakenings. And I really loved Rack. And I looked up some of his interviews, and he was actually on a series on Gaia television called, it's like that Gaia TV network. And the, the series is very good. It's called Psychedelica and there's 13 episodes. And so they do like one episode on psilocybin, one episode on ayahuasca. They do an episode on uh, peyote and San Pedro. So it was a really well done uh, series. And Rack Razam was involved in the series. And I watched another one of his interviews and I was like, okay, that's my guy. This is going to be my guide for this particular experience. Um, and so, by the way, if you want, I can totally hook you up and get, get him on your show because he's an incredible, he's a journalist and he's just like his interview skills are through the roof. So I contacted him on like LinkedIn and started a dialogue and he said, and he just happened to be having a retreat like three weeks later. So well, of course, uh, it was just total. That's, how, that's how it works, right? That's what you asked. Yeah. For. And he only has this retreat once a year. So it was just perfect. And took off, but we were, so there was eight of us on this retreat. And if you've ever seen that Netflix series called Sense8, it was, um, so Sense8, it's the series, it got canceled after the second season, but like people are angry over that fact. Um, it's this eight people that their consciousnesses are interconnected. 
So it's a trippy, it's a trippy series. If you like trippy stuff, which according to your mandala there in your background, (laughs) yeah, you you would like Sensei. So, uh, yeah, so we were like that because there was eight of us. And very quickly, we all just became very interconnected with each other. So, yeah, we take this four mile hike through the jungle. Um, my luggage had not appeared. So like lesson number one, I'm in the jungle. I have no luggage. The place I went to had no running water. It had no electricity. And, you know, I'm a Midwestern girl that's used to filtered bottled water all the time and it was just all part (laughs) it was it was just all part of it you know because i can tell you right now if i could find even one millibar of a wi-fi signal that would have changed everything you know what i mean yeah purposely it's great to be disconnected i think when you get interconnected with all those people around you it's because you're in that situation and it has to be that way totally Um, totally so we did um yeah, so there, there's like the a shock over having no luggage. One of the other participants um, gave me some clothing, which was lovely. And just like, I think the lesson there for me was being able to receive, you know, because like I'm a CEO, I'm very capable. I, I can easily get into the masculine energy. So that whole, like being able to receive from other people and allow other people to provide what I needed was incredible for is me. That, is that hard for you to do? It was, I mean, I had you no choice. Give, so. You give so much, especially even with, with your book and, and the way that you teach, like you teach self-help and awakening and I do the same thing. And I know what you mean by that. Like you give, 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 and it's really hard to accept something back. But sometimes I think people like us need it the most. And we, we do we because get we get, we give it. to the point where, and I've had several like readings where people are telling me like, you give so much that your cup is empty. And yeah. so it's affecting you physically, it's affecting you mentally, and it's making you exhausted. And like, if you don't stop this behavior, basically you're going to be taken out. Like that's how serious the message has come to me. So it was really incredible um, in the jungle to be provided for. And the place that I was at is called DAS. It's D-A-S Healing Center. And um, I can't remember what the D-A-S stands for. The Curandero's name is Percy Garcia. He was absolutely incredible. Like I was just in tears thinking this man has to be an ascended master. I'm sure he's been on the earth for 700 years <laughs> at least. <laughs> but I believe that 100%. I, I bet he has been. Like he, really was absolutely incredible and it was one of these stories where he has um, he referred to himself as a curandero not a shaman i think a shaman is more of a western word Mm -hmm. but um we could call him a shaman i i think it's interchangeable but to a curandero means to cure so that is the true healer in like in the the space and protect and and fight those spirits well and and even even like a medical doctor like he knows if you have an ailment, so say you have like arthritis, he knows which plant in the jungle is going to help you with your arthritis. Isn't that or amazing? You have, it was totally amazing. It's like and a holistic he, approach and it's all there. 
It blow, well, it'll blow and, anybody in the Western world's mind. Like, and I found that. out, like, I, I found out later through, you know, different conversations and stuff that a lot of our pharmaceuticals come from synthesized versions of what they find in the rainforest. I mean, there's so much to learn and explore here. And, you know, the thing about ayahuasca is I'm certainly not telling anyone to go out and do it. But when you feel that call, that's unmistakable. So if you feel the call, then is the time to start your researching. And the things that you learn are exciting, they're adventurous, and they're they're eye-opening as well as heart-opening. And uh, so our journey started technically the next day when we did a Cambo ceremony. Have you heard of Cambo? Yes. Okay. So I got my, probably oh. can't see it, but I've got my you had a little mark there. I got my little marks. I have I'm a so buddy proud. that's with me right now who has one too, and he long. I mean, long story short, with him, he's his older brother was a lifelong heroin addict, and, and they cured him in just a few. He had an ibogaine session, and then or an ibogaine, and then he did for ayahuasca, um, and then he went down and did it with him, and like not you know within four months, this guy quit his job, moved out. Like his whole life has changed rapidly, and it's it's a very fascinating thing. I'm still an ayahuasca virgin. I've definitely diddled with quite a few psychedelics, but I've been having the calling for a while myself. And I have just like you kind of how it lined up for you. I was just in Nicaragua and I met this amazing guy named Mike Barnes, who actually used to play an Iron Maiden. And he is now come into that space of being, you know, what you would call a shaman. And he's doing these types of retreats. And so I've got it lined up pretty quickly. That's um, awesome. I'm yeah. like a, yeah, like a gringo, gringo shaman. That's well, he's cool. yeah, he's kind of he'll he'll takes you to the 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 Amazonian ones, but uh, oh, so he's, he's more like a guide or he's a kind of like a mentee, yeah, facilitator. Yeah, yeah. so that's what Rack he puts does. the events so, together basically. Right, Rack isn't um, Rack is not a maestro or a curandero or any of that himself, but he's a guide and and a facilitator, and he and he was incredible, and I'll get all into that. So we did we did five ceremonies, and as it turns out, I'm actually very sensitive to the medicine, which is. Um, which was good for me to know because what that means is um, on the first night, the curandero Percy, uh, he gave us all a smaller dose. So I loved the way that he measured his cup. So he had sort of like a chalice. So if I like hold up my coffee cup here and pretend like it's the, you know, the Holy grail, um, <laughs> he would measure it from one to five. So as far as like dosing, it would be, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And the first night he said he was giving us a two. So it was not, and by the way, it was no, it was nowhere near this large. It was a small, small amount, like a, like a baby chalice and um, one to five. So he said he was going to start us off giving us a two and not really a lot happened for me in that first ceremony. But what did happen was very interesting because I am a classic in my head overthinker. All right. So People would say to me all the time, you have to get out of your head and into your heart. And I'd be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about right now, because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like I could go read about that in a book and I can understand that we have neurons. You know, we have neurons in our heart. We have neurons in our gut. They're even finding now that we have neurons in our lungs. Like that's really crazy. I mean, next I think. Really lungs, huh? I didn't lungs, hear that. Yes. And I had, and I can't remember what I just uh, discovered about the lymph nodes, but there's some stuff. There's there's something recently they found out about lymph nodes that they didn't know before. Maybe that we have some in our brain, or I don't remember. But anyway, so what happened that first night was, you know, have you if you've ever experienced racing thoughts, multiply that by a thousand, and this is what I went through the first night. It was just, just 
a barrage of racing thoughts that were happening so simultaneously and thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Everything was just like extremely sped up. And I realized after some time that what was happening was it was getting rid of them. Yeah. So how, how do you put that in? Like, is it hard for you to put that experience into words? I mean, that was a pretty not good that, job. Not that one, it, because that's like when I tell when I tell you what happened on ceremony number two, that's the one that's going to be hard yeah. to put into words. This yeah. is Did pretty you simple. Prepare at all for this like did that's you a great question I did... and, and do anything like that yeah so i did the dieta and um i i probably did the dieta wrong so there's some things that are easy and the things that are easy are like the obvious like no salt no pork no sex no masturbation um which by the way that's like for people that are curious like what does it matter it's just to conserve energy because yeah. you know sex release is a orgasm is an energetic release so it's just kind of like athletes before big games not, or boxers you're not supposed to release that sure. energy so yeah so that's the reason why they don't want you to do it and then each center might have some different rules so like for example um they didn't want us to have any spinach or raspberries and so there was some specific things that we want they wanted us to stay away from and that's because of the way that the i think the word is called tyramines so the way that the tyramines in the food can interact with the with the ayahuasca they just you know they're they're protecting you from things that could have a contraindicative uh issue huh. So, and then, um, I'm not on any, I'm not on any prescription medication at all, but I do know that there are certain prescription medications that, uh, you need to taper yourself off of prior to your experience. So if you're on anything, um, any kind of prescription at all, then I would check into the list and make sure that, you know, you're clear to go. And then also I stopped taking uh, the majority of my vitamins, like supplements and stuff, just because a lot of the supplements I take, um, there's like a list of ingredients. And so because I just wasn't a hundred percent, I just opted to uh, go a few days without that. And then I supplement a little bit with like some electrolytes and some vitamin B and, and, that was it. How so, long was that process though? Like a week or? Yeah, they say days? like, I think that uh, everyone's going to recommend something different. I did it for three weeks. I think we were asked to do it for uh, 10 days. But um, the one thing I cheated on was two times I had ice cream. So I tell myself <laughs> and almost every day I had it's coffee. so hard not to. I don't know. I just wanted it. <laughs> so stupid. I'm such a nonconformist. I had to have my ice cream. <laughs> So, and the coffee was just, yeah, I just, I yeah, just I pretended like, like I, a mate or something in place of coffee, right? You, you just, yeah. Or tea or, you know, green tea, but I just pretended like I didn't see that, but, and it was fine because, you know, like through my travel, I had a couple of days with no coffee anyway, and I only drink about one cup a day. So it was, it was okay. So but, the, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to well, say the setting I, is there. <laughs> <laughs> the setting is there and you and you did the preparation. Did did you have an intention? I mean, I know this is very important to do that, to go down there with an intention, but as a first timer, um, I'm wondering what that process was like for you. You know, I, I put a lot of time into being intentional about my reasons for the trip because I'll be really honest with you. I mean, the the trip that I chose was physically more challenging than what I could have done because I had been in contact with the resort Rhythmia and I had been oh, yeah. working on a, a project to do like a hosted, they, they've had um, 
they were looking for some influencers to do like hosted retreats. And actually I worked it all out with them. And then they just like two days ago canceled that program. So uh, they canceled Rhythmia altogether? Or, no, no, or? no, no. They canceled the hosted, just the hosted gotcha. program. No, Rhythmia is going strong. And I think that they're doing incredibly good work there. But I haven't been there myself. So when they approached me about bringing an inner circle there, you know, I was like, okay, that's great. I've wanted to do this for a very long time. But something in me felt very called that I wanted to go do it where it was indigenous. You know, I wanted to do it where it grows naturally. I wanted to do it in the tradition of finding a shaman or a curandero that had started his training as a child, which Percy did. And he learned from his grandfather and his grandfather yeah, learned from legit. his father. Yeah, it was totally like in, in, in fact, I asked the question, like how far in, in your lineage does this go back? And, and it, his answer was forever. So like, that his lineage of people or his lineage had always been the medicine. Which means medicine. the DNA is structured that way too, which is a very big deal. Yeah. And, and let, can we talk about DNA for just a moment? Because yeah. um, when you asked me about my intention, so I have um, had a significant amount of trauma in my life. And I'm just the type of person that suffered trauma from almost since birth. So I was separated from my parents at a young age, like between like around three. And then I was returned to them at six. I was never in any danger, but for a child, I definitely went through what I would call like more emotional trauma. And then I lost my own child who passed away from severe brain damage when she was a year and a half. Went, oh, and all, and then on top of that, that, thank you. Thank you. And then on top of that, um, my older son is on the autism spectrum and I went through like a hellacious, hellacious divorce. And that's just sort of like a little rattled off list of some things that have happened to me. And I'm only sharing that to establish that I've had some pretty significant traumas in my life. How, and then, how old is, do you have two sons? I do. They're 17 and 18. 18. Did you have them when you were pretty young? Cause you look really young now. I will take that. Um, no, I was, I don't know what's young. I was like 27 and 28. Okay. Wow. So I'm 40, I'm 44 now. <laughs> I would have put you at like low 30s. <laughs> we'll have to like write a really good review for these lighting people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so the, my intention was I really, really wanted to release this trauma. And as many people who have said to me to get out of the hot head and into the heart, that was another part of it was I really wanted to get into the heart, whatever that meant. And um, trauma is interesting because trauma is something that our bodies are like libraries and good or bad or, or on anywhere on the spectrum, our body is storing everything that's ever happened to us in our lifetime. And we are really good, us Westerners, at, at repressing trauma. So instead of like getting help when something first happens to us and instead of processing the situation and healing from it, what we're doing instead is we're repressing it, which is embedding it into our DNA and embedding it into our literally our cellular structure. So I love, if you want to know more about this, I'm going to give you two resources, uh, one of which is Dr. Gabor Mate which is M-A-T-E, Dr. Gabor. Um, you could put his name in on YouTube. You're going to get amazing talks that are going to come as a result of that. And the second one is Dr. Joseph Tafor, T-A-F-O-R, I believe. 
Now, both of these guys are MDs, and they both work within the realm of ayahuasca plant medicine. Dr. Joseph Tafour actually became a shaman himself after he was already an MD. So that's pretty special just right off the bat. But this is what I wanted to say about DNA, and this is really cool. When Dr. Joseph Tafour was going through his shamanic training, learning from a maestro, you know, he they put you on a diet. I don't know how long that lasts, but... He was seeing the visions, and one of the visions he saw was of the DNA. And what he said was he saw these dragons embedded on themselves in the DNA structure itself. Hmm. Now, here is a theory that this we know this as epigenetics. So the dragons are the trauma, and the trauma embeds itself on our DNA structure, and it changes the gene expression, which is what we now know as epigenetics. So we know that our environment, we know that the stresses and the traumas that we go through are what ultimately will cause disease. Now we don't, we haven't studied this fully, so we can't scientifically create a model that's going to give you the answers, right? But my intention was to release this trauma because I was already starting to experience um, a slowdown in my energetic body. So I was getting some, uh, kyphosis. My hips were tilted. Uh, thank goodness I didn't have something more serious like autoimmune because this is what this trauma, this trauma ultimately can manifest in like a level of self-hatred, which I experienced during my third ceremony that I'm happy to tell you about. But, uh, that, so that was my intention, like release the trauma. And one of the things that Dr. Gabor says is like trauma is not about the thing that happened in the past. Trauma is about how this affects and impacts your present day reality. Right. So what are my, what are my barrier beliefs? What are my limiting patterns? What are my destructive patterns in my life that are, that are reoccurring on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever because of traumas that I've experienced 30 years ago? And we, and we don't, we're not cognitively aware of those things. And so that was my intention is I really wanted to hit that reset button and release those traumas. Although I had no idea what a terrifying experience that would be. And so, yeah. That's what's hard to put into words, right? Yeah, because on the, the second ceremony, I had the full, um, the second ceremony, he gave us a little bit more. So that first ceremony, he started with the two and I experienced the emptying of the thoughts, which by the way, has, um, so it's probably been about three weeks, but it has lasted. So that mind chatter and that monkey mind is just gone. Wow. It, there's you, just nothing up here. Do you share your intention with, with the um, shaman? Yes. Yes. And we did a lot of intention little workshops um, within our group. We were doing daily intention workshops. Very cool. So that was, that was super helpful. And then um, on my second ceremony, I had like the full near-death experience. So I went... And I didn't understand what was happening to me, even though I've watched a million bajillion ego death trip reports, I still had no clue what was happening to me because it was so real, but my body literally disintegrated molecule by molecule. And then just like, wow. like just off into the, off into the air. And, and so when people say things like I became a drop in the ocean, like I totally 
understand the feeling and the uh, and the observation of that experience, like becoming a fractal. If you follow like the quantum physicist Nassim Harriman at all, he talks about like the fractals and and that each atom has a black hole within when within the atom and that's like our whole structure yeah, of our universe <laughs> i know i can't even like i can say those words i don't know what any of that means <laughs> yeah. other than to say on some level i was there or some part of my consciousness was there and i didn't just like my ego death was not just like one time i died like i was saying it was like i died a thousand deaths so it was happening like over and over and over. And when, when you reach this other, when you begin to go into this other dimension, um, for me, it kind of started as like a full body paralysis that, you know, turned into a very light full body vibration, which started to give into some of the subtle visions that the classic stuff that people talk about on either smoking DMT or through an ayahuasca. So it's like a the lot pattern. of sacred geometry. Uh, there wasn't that it was very jungly. Um, and there was lines that kind of reminded me of like the Nazca lines, or if you actually look up Peruvian artwork, the stuff that they have on their blankets and the stuff that they use as their artwork is exactly what I saw. And, you know, that brings me to, and I'm sorry to just ramble on, but I just have so much to say. Um, Roll you're with like, it. I love you're it. like one of the first person I'm very interested I'm in you. To. <laughs> but like, here's the thing. So all of that ancient artwork that we see from various different ancient cultures, whether it's, whether it's Mesoamerican, you know, Quetzalcoatl, Mayan, Inca, uh, whether it's in Egypt or it's whether it, it's, well, it's, it's, it's interesting, but here's what I have to say. Those people were painting and they were recording what they actually saw. You know, we, we try to look at that stuff and we try to interpret it. But when I was under, when I was in this other dimension that I went to initially with ayahuasca, that's exactly what I was seeing. So, you know, you see like the lines and, and, you know, and it was not scary at all. It was uh, pretty pleasant at this point, like, oh, I'm in Disneyland. This is going to be really fun, you know, until I start dying a thousand times. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, I changed my mind. What did time feel like in that? It was eternal. Um, I mean, it's it like was, there is no, it's not a factor anymore, right? It's just, you're there. It's kind of interesting because I've said there's like three different definitions of time for me with respect to this second ceremony. The first is, let's say like the actual amount of time that the ceremony lasted, which was probably five to six hours um, through start, start to finish five to six hours. Then there was like when I came back and like what it felt like to me was like 36 hours. But wow. then there was when I was in the other dimension and it was completely eternal. It was there. I mean, there it was. It, it, it's kind of like, have you ever had a dream when you're you're trying to recall the dream and you're telling your buddy about it, but you don't really know what happened when you just like you remember this yeah, this oh, yeah. snippet and you remember that snippet, but you're not really sure which thing happened first. So it was very much like that. And also, I would say, like, after I really accepted it, that I was dead and I had died, I this is when the experience started. So after I could like stop fighting off this death. Um, my experience started and I started going through these different dimensions, which I can only explain if I knew a little bit more about the Tibetan book of the dead, 
or the Egyptian Book of the Dead, because like that whole experience is about guiding people through the realms of the afterlife. And I think that they might call those the Bardos. And so, and I'm just going to assume that that is like representative of another realm or another dimension. And like, so I just would travel through through these different um, realms or dimensions, and each one of them was getting more and more disconnected from the human experience. And I and I have a remembrance of trying very hard to remember my children's names, and that the children's names were sort of slipping. They were slipping huh. from me and that was like my last grasping on to this human life. And then the next, the next place I went after that, there was no concept of human. And to try to put that in perspective is very difficult because like, even though the majority of us do not experience God or we don't have an experience of God outside of our own faith, we understand the concept of God. If someone says that word, then it's going to mean something to you. But if, if, if some, if if the word human when i was like further far enough away the word human meant absolutely nothing to me like there was no human just ceased to exist it just wasn't there and i slipping into that dimension it went it went to a dimension and i feel like that's the farthest away i got and then after that it was just the void so after that it was just the peaceful void was it like mayhem chaos well, it was, I would say it was neither. I mean, it was not peaceful mayhem or hectic. It was Maybe just what it, it was. Harsh. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, like I remember that part of it as pleasant um, because there wasn't anything, like there wasn't demons. There wasn't, you know, there was other parts that were unpleasant, like dying a lot. That was not pleasant. <laughs> was there a rebirth that followed the, the dying? There was. So, so I was given a choice. Eventually, I was given a choice about coming back and I went through. So it was kind of like this was really fun because it was taking a ride back through these dimensions, but somehow different dimensions. So I was given the a choice to come back and then I was uh, g- gone through this sort of teaching. I don't know whether it was a teaching, but it was this like I would hear this voice going like, remember, remember. And what it was doing was it was getting me to remember the choices I had made prior to this lifetime. So it was like, you chose this, you wanted, and and this is going to sound terribly egotistic, but I promise this is what happened. But they were like, you chose to be as highly intelligent as you are. Like you see that sometimes as a curse, you see that as sometimes like you're, you, you know, rather have it maybe a little more simple, but you actually chose to be born with this universal knowledge. You chose these things. You chose to be, um, um, like a, a level of omniscience, like this, you know, knowing and understanding of how the universe works. You chose that. And so I'm like, all right. So they're doing work on you. Like, it was. And then like they were like doctors giving in. me opportunity. And at this point, you know, a lot of people, I, I, and this might be that it happened in a different order than I'm remembering, but a lot of people that have a near death experience, you know, they go through the life review and they go through experiencing other people's emotions from the other side of the table. And so when I remember this experience, I feel like I did that on the way back in and not on the way out, but that could be wrong. And, and I'm okay with right, that. Yeah. 
but I literally started whoever would be in my conscious awareness, like my son, my son, who is the one who just became a firewalker at 17. Um, I experienced him. <laughs> awesome. I, it was such a cool rite of passage, you know, because we don't have rites of passage. And like for him, and he's like, oh, it was no big deal. But I'm like, it kind of is a big deal because it's a good rite of passage for your 17th birthday. It just. It's so far ahead of anybody. I mean, it's incredible. Oh my God. This kid is like a six foot four Buddha. I'm telling you. He's, he's incredible. <laughs> I'm really, way. yeah, I'm really, I'm really uh, so in love with this boy. But I experienced him and I experienced his suffering. And I experienced the uh, the tremendous suffering that he has gone through because of having like a derelict alcoholic father and because of like the drama between his mother and his father and also did the suffering he experienced because of having a driven mother, you know, a mother who's always working, a a mother who's sometimes it can make him feel guilty neglected high yeah the high habits or neglection yeah yeah so i mean but i the son with autism or is it the other one no it's the it's the younger one um i my experiencing of keegan who's my son who's mildly on the spectrum was a different i experienced him as some kind of like superior being where when i experienced him the vision was like he was rising up above and then just sort of spread out over the whole um, earth. And I don't know what that was. Like, I honestly didn't even understand what I was seeing about him myself. So I don't know. I think powerful. He's- <laughs> he is. Um, wow. He is like some from another dimension. I don't know what's going on with that one, but he, he is very highly intelligent. But I was also given some sort of message that he and I might share partly the same soul or we may be. And that, you know, people talk about oneness. And this is really confusing because during the ayahuasca experience, when I was in these deep other dimensions, you definitely experience that oneness. So if I would, and this really happened, like, Whoever would come into my conscious awareness, like at some point I thought about James Cameron because I thought about Avatar and instantly I was James Cameron. And it was like, (laughs) oh, remember when you made the Titanic? I mean, this is really weird stuff. I can't. Like, I would never, ever in a make up stories like this. Um, I'm just honestly not that creative. So, um, but like I, I thought. I started singing this song in my head, like I surrender all. And it's something I think I heard on Oprah. And then all of a sudden I was Oprah. Mm. Like, hello folks. I'm the white Oprah, except for I'm really Oprah. Attaching yourself to physical beings in a certain dimension and experiencing that. That somehow we're all fragments of the same collective mind. And I don't at the same time simultaneously. I don't understand any of that. And, and, you know, I don't know that, that I meant to, or that I need to, but it was a beautiful, like that portion of it was beautiful. And then I experienced some of my staff members. And so one staff member in particular, who's very near and dear to my heart, her name is Marie and she's older. So she's kind of like the mother of the office. And she's the one who's always taking care of us. You know, like if you need a bandaid or something, or she's always bringing food and, and, you know, and we take all that stuff for granted. But um, several years ago, her children went to college. And even though this happened several years ago, I experienced her empty nest grief. Like I experienced how sad she was when her children oh. left the nest. And then I was given this opportunity, like, 
I actually was somehow creating her reality for her. And I was like, I was making some choices for her to like win the lottery and all of these things. And I saw thoughts turn into matter. So like when I, I went through these really cool things where I literally, and I cannot describe it, but I saw thoughts literally turn into actual physical matter. And I also saw the bioplasmic streamers that, that are, some people call them energetic cords, but I saw the bioplasmic streamers that come off of the human body. And like, if I, during this part of the experience, you know, I was going through this, like whoever I would think of, I would become aware of their consciousness and then I would merge and become their consciousness. But also I could do this thing where I could heal people. So I went through this part of the experience where whoever I thought of, I could just surround them with unconditional love and healing. And then I literally saw the bioplasmic streamers like leave and travel through whatever and like go to them. It was, then when I say go to them, I didn't see a picture of their physical body. It wasn't like that because people were more like flowers and, you know, like they're, I don't know. It was so trippy. <laughs> you you have this. So I've talked to a lot of people about ayahuasca. You have, by far have done the best job of putting this into words. It's crazy how, I mean, you have a whole book of content, like your description, you can tell that you were just there, like in that it yeah. really meant something to you. Most people, they kind of have a hesitation to be able to say anything. Maybe it's because also that they, they're afraid that people are going to look at them a certain way or project something upon them in a certain way if they say something a weird direction, but you're well, obviously I very I definitely think that see. being in a feeling safe, like who you share with is very important. You know, like yeah. obviously I'm not going to a board meeting tomorrow talking about like we're all one with the universe and I can heal your ass. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's definitely a time and place. And um, also, I mean, just because... I have this opportunity to speak out and I, I feel like I can articulate certain things. I, I, I definitely feel like there's a need for that. And also it helps me to integrate my own experience. I mean, I feel like it's such a great opportunity that I even have someone like you that's like, Hey, let's jump on and do a podcast because every time I'm talking about it, it is, it is supporting that rewiring that I went through because ayahuasca, ayahuasca is rewiring the neural pathways in your subconscious. It's also rewiring the neural pathways in your heart and in your gut. And so we know that for sure, like that part we can study. And, but you know, how do you describe to someone what that feels like? What you can do is you can describe your experience. And, um, I was told that I was very sensitive um, to the medicine. And so I feel like I probably had an extremely deep um, experience that second ceremony because I was given um, a little bit, I, I mean, other people were taking second cups and I went through all of this and never had a second um, drink. So everything wow. I, yeah, everything that I just told you happened within this span of this six hours. second ceremony. All that. This is all just wow. the second ceremony. And I could probably go on for another four more hours just about the second ceremony. But um, the next day I was, you know, so you kind of come, you start to come back. And when I was coming back, there was a whole series of like choices I was allowed to make about my life. Um, I was, it was, it, Michael Newton has an interesting book called Life Between Lives. And he was like a past life researcher. He's passed now. And, um, 
in his book, he talks about the realms we go through as we're choosing our human experience. Like we choose our race, we choose our parents, we choose. And he says that there's these like almost like monitors where, where you're, where you're making choices. Now I will say that I think that partially, um, my ayahuasca experience is a regurgitation of what's already in my subconscious memories. And so the fact that I saw these choices on a computer screen or on some sort of monitor may be because the seed of that idea was planted because I read this Michael Newton book, um, called Life Between Lives. Yeah, so do you, true. you I so that, like, yeah somebody else. And, you know, when we know that people have had near-death experiences, a lot of the visions they see are very tied to their belief system that they have here on earth. So if they believe in Jesus, you know, when they go to the other be side, they, they see, yeah, they see Jesus or, you know, if whatever their dogma is or whatever their spiritual beliefs are seems to be what's regurgitated. And I think that because I don't have a lot of that, like I've shaken, you know, I'll tell you what, being a single parent of an autistic child is very powerful. Um, and the, the very powerful in the way that it shakes off all of your beliefs because you're raising a child that really doesn't have a rule book. You know, all of those things that you do with neurotypical children aren't going to get you far with, with a child on the spectrum. And so I have spent the last 18 years just literally, and sometimes um, not in the comfortable way, shaking off these belief systems. And so I think that that and also already having such a deep spiritual practice just on my own, like I've done a lot of breath work. I've done um, a lot of meditation retreats. I feel like that prepared me yeah, that's, for. Yeah, I can imagine that really plays in. How did all of yeah. it wrap back around into the intention? Did you find resolve with the trauma? Um, did so it that, yes, that, that happened that on the third ceremony. So the, the whole day following the second ceremony, I was terrified and I actually wasn't sure if I was still alive. So I think I was, um, mildly in like a psychosis, but not really. I had actually, that was one of the dimensions I was in was experiencing a full psychosis. And, um, I've heard about other people experiencing the same thing. I had like a glitch in reality where I was like experiencing the same groundhog day sort of events thousands of times before I came back. from. So crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was so unpleasant. Like I have no words. I did not like that part, but, um, uh, but it is what it is. Right. And then, and yeah, so the next day I was like, it took me until about lunchtime because I thought like my, my group, my sense eight group were like the people that were trying to take me to the light. <laughs> and then like one of the people was talking about going and doing five MEO and how you would see the light. So I was like, you're trying to take me to the light. I know you are. <laughs> but at about lunchtime, I started to just accept the fact that no, I'm here. I'm fine. I'm better than ever. You know, I've, I've had this really incredible, but it was very overwhelming. So I went to Percy and I just said, Poquinto, Poquinto. So he took me down to a one and a half dose. So now remember the one. Night. Yeah. So for the third night, we've got the one to five and he took me down to a 1.5. I'll tell you how much it was. You know, the, you know, if you have like a um, bottle of water and then you have a, Maybe like empty bottles of water and no water cap. I literally probably had a teaspoon right. of wow. medicine. That's how small, or maybe a tablespoon. That's how small my dose was, which was awesome because the stuff tastes like shit. But um, 
<laughs> but you know, it's like, this is the point. The amount of your experience is not dose dependent. It is in, it is every person is going to require a different dose. And so that's the reason I'm telling you this level of detail about the dosages is to understand that taking more is not necessarily taking better. There is an intelligence in Mother Ayahuasca where she knows, right? knows. and so don't, don't think you need to be a hero and just drink as much as possible because that is not going, you know, I had a tablespoon on this third ceremony. Are you familiar with Peter Gorman? Uh, Maybe. He wrote a book called Ayahuasca in My Blood. You should check it out because it's, he spent 30 years in the jungles down there working with um, the locals and going through this process. And his stories are very detailed and kind of remind me of how you talk about your experience um, and his battles with the red and the black and the green and the blue magics. And it's, it's very interesting, but um, that was something that he came across several times. And the point that he made was it was always different, even for the same person that dose Mm -hmm. changes rapidly based on who you are in that moment, what your intention is. And usually you get something that you are not expecting, but in some way it comes back around to heal your intention if you have it. I, yeah, I cannot wait to uh, check. So I won't remember that name. So we'll have to, I'll message you afterwards. And and I really appreciate that. So yeah, that third ceremony was definitely my trauma release ceremony. It was a very physical experience compared to, compared to the uh, second ceremony. And it was, um, I was fighting it, you know, because I was a little bit afraid from the, the time, the prior time, I was afraid that I was going to go through all of those deaths again. You know, like if you could just jump to the other side without going through the death, that would be, that would be <laughs> fine. Right. But I'll but take your um, word for it. You know, it's like, hard. unfortunately my belief was that I was going to have to die a thousand deaths again to get to that place. But I just was like begging mother ayahuasca to be gentle and to heal my heart, open my heart. And so after about 30 minutes, I started to feel the paralysis come on and I started to feel a sensation of vibration right through my, right through my heart chakra area that went down to about my belly button. So it probably started like around here and went to my belly button. And it was just a soft, soft vibration. It almost felt like I was getting an inner heart massage and it was extremely nice. It was so nice. I mean, it was, it it was, um, it was beautiful. And I just laid there and I, and I relaxed, but then I started um, crying and it was, it was a lot of people would call this like a somatic release. Um, I just started spontaneously crying, but it wasn't me doing the crying. Something was inside of me doing the crying. Now, a lot of people talk about with ayahuasca doing a body scan, and I definitely experienced that, but that is so like minuscule in my experience compared to the other things. But there was a a body scan and something was inside me unlocking this rainforest of tears. And it was, uh, it was, a started off as like a soft sobbing that turned into this like rainforest of tears. And to the point where hours had gone by. And I, the reason I know that is because they rang the bell to do the second cup. So at least two or three hours had gone by and another one of the girls, um, Angelica, that was in my group, she came over to me and um, asked me if we could cuddle. 
because she heard me crying and, you know, we were all connected. So she came over and, and it was the most beautiful thing he, that this, this girl, she's 23, um, super young and beautiful. And, and she laid there with me on the mattress and we just, we just cuddled and I continued to cry. And what I realized was happening because, you know, you're, you're, I'm having this very physical experience in this third ceremony, but I didn't necessarily have the intellectual understanding of why. Um, other than to know that in order to open my heart, it was like when ayahuasca, um, put the key in and unlocked that chamber, it had to pour this trauma out. And the only way to get the out, the, get the trauma out of my body and out of my DNA in the only way to remove those dragons was for the outpouring of the trauma to come out. And that was what this crying was about. And I realized when Angelica came over, it was very nice because, when I was about three, six, I was separated permanently from my younger sister. Oh. And this was a devastating experience for me at six years old because I had been like my sister's caretaker. You know, there was when some. When you went neglect. back to your parents? Yes. When I went back to my parents, it was without my younger sister. And so when Angelica came over, it was this very sisterly cuddling and this grieving process. And that went on for. Oh, we cuddled and it was very sweet for about 15, 20 minutes. And then we both felt like we had to spew. So <laughs> that was the end of that. Cause you know, you do get physically sick with the ayahuasca and. And that's also a way of getting it out too, right? Right. So the pattern that I noticed is that you would, you would release like a trauma would bubble up like, like, like club soda bubbles you know, or champagne bubbles. So the trauma would bubble up through your, through your physical body and you would experience it. And then you would have a purge, whatever that purge looked like, which there are multiple ways of purging things like yawning, crying, laughing, um, sweating. I think, I, I mean, I was unconscious. I would just pass out a lot, like go unconscious. Huh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I've never also heard somebody, anybody say that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think what was happening was I was fighting the experience. So I think mother ayahuasca would be like, okay, lay down, we're done with you. Like right. <laughs> lay down. And then, and it was kind of like this, oh, you think you're in control? We're going to show you that you have like zero control. <laughs> so yeah, that might've been special for me, Humbling. the knocking you out unconscious. <laughs> um, like stop thinking about this and just let us, you know, we've got you. Do the work, and yeah. yeah. So then after that uh, crying episode, I um, literally became physically riddled with pain from head to toe. And this was an extreme. And, and I mean, I've given birth. This was extreme pain. This was this was pain in in every bone, every muscle, every cell in my body was just in this level 10 extreme pain. And I was shaking because I couldn't, I couldn't, um, process the level of pain. And I, I stayed with this pain. And what I realized was this was all of the pain that I had experienced as a young child. And it was, it was manifesting all at once and it was all coming out and, and the pain, um, it eventually revealed to me 
some moments in my life where things had become so drastically despairing that I just thought, you know, God, if, if you know, like, I wouldn't mind if you gave me a disease because, you know, if you gave me a disease that would lead me to the way out of this life. And, you know, that's a pretty dramatic thing to admit, yeah. but it is what I was experiencing. So I'm just going to be honest that I went through this, like, how could I ever have made a request like this? And the amount of self-hatred it takes to make a request like this is pretty intense. And so the, the, when I realized that in this period, this period of pain went on for quite a long time. And then when I realized that the answer is unconditional love. When I realized that I have to love myself, I have to love that ass that I think is too big. I have to love <laughs> the, I have to love what's happening to my underarms. And I have to, all the things that I think that I don't like about myself, I have to love even those things. And I have to forgive myself for all of these things that I've judged myself for, which I kind of knew that, you know, but there's a difference between knowing something and like internally knowing it inside, outside, backwards and forwards in every cell of your being. And so I, I say that that second ceremony is really what released the physical traumas from my life. And, um, that's, yeah, there, there, there was powerful. a lot more. I mean, but. it's amazing that it comes back around to unconditional love for yourself really and does. for everything yeah. around you. It's it's beautiful. I mean, it, it it puts the smile back on and gives you hope. I'm curious, you know, you run you run a seven-figure business, right? Is that correct? Yes. Um, how long have you been doing that? 20 years. Really? Wow. So you've been going... You, 24, I started. <laughs> you've probably got a lot of wisdom you can go through with that. I'm curious how how this experience is going to change the way you approach that moving forward? You know, that is a really interesting question. And I was just on another podcast, like, listen to this niche podcast for female CEOs who have done ayahuasca. <laughs> like, that's, really that's, a, that's a thing. <laughs> well, so first of all, um, I feel like I've been on a spiritual path for, for quite a long time. And I started making some changes in my business my business blueprint and stuff like that years and years ago. And here's the thing like, that's really going to be shocking is I own a collection agency. And so the kind of business that I'm in just in general, there's a negative stigma and rightly so to that industry. The collections industry in general is very, um, fear-based. Yeah. People perceive it negatively for sure. And they should because the, the abuses, the dehumanization that's going on within this industry, um, is a problem. And I recognized this, um, at the very beginning of my career. And so I had decided early on that I was going to use a sales approach. Well, the sales approach really failed because it, and it failed for two reasons. Number one, because my competition was using fear and intimidation. And number two, because sales did not address the real issue of debt, which is the shame and unworthiness that is associated, that it's the shame that people feel when they have a debt. And it's the problem of having a debt and how that will hold you back from pursuing your path. And wow. so I recognized this, um, 
way back in the early 2000s. And I, I wrote and developed a communication strategy that I call Words That Work, which is all about making people feel good about paying their debt um, as opposed to feeling the shame and unworthiness. And that actually worked. And I was able to develop it into like a step-by-step strategy for business communication in general. And it's actually very life-changing. So I've been teaching on this already for something like 15 years and having a lot of success with that. And actually one of my biggest like spiritual aha moments came because when I really got serious about going on my spiritual path, that was probably like 2012, like a lot of people, you know, I, I, I was always on a spiritual path, but 2012 made it alive. Why do you think 2012 for a lot of people? I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's because we have that belief system because, you know, we've been hearing about the Mayan calendar forever or I, I think don't there know. was a massive shift there. I mean, I do. That's, I do that's too. right. And when I started questioning everything, that's exactly what I was going through. And so I don't know, you know, they talk a lot about the astrological uh, alignments that were taking place during that time. And although I'm very fascinated with all of those things, I li- I literally have like zero level of knowledge on it. So yeah. I can just remember that I really started taking it very seriously and it became alive in me at that point. And I had a, I had like an existential crisis or a crisis of meaning around that time because I thought to myself, well, how am I going to, how am I going to own a debt collection agency and try to reach enlightenment at the same time? It seemed like those two goals were incongruent with each other. But, um, I, met an Akashic Records reader when I was on vacation at Omega Institute in New York. And I was having this conversation with her and she said, don't you see your work is your spiritual path. And it clicked in my head. And I all of a sudden realized that because I was doing the type of work I was doing and because I was like, what she described it as is like, I was helping people clear their debt karma because she said, when people come into this life and they incur debt, there's a karmic situation. I've actually got a section in my book about it called karmic debt collecting, which explains like what happened and like what my aha moments were that were from for that. And very prior to that, I had been at a Tony Robbins event. It was actually date with destiny. And one of the Tony Robbins, like platinum partners, he said, well, why don't you take your communication strategy and teach it to all the other debt collectors? And I laughed and I said, Oh my God, these people, they don't know. They're not going to, th- because I had tried to do it before and they like threw tomatoes at me. So. give you a swirly and a wedgie instead they're like okay shut up cute little girl we're done listening to you now but i realized um my bigger mission is to change to make a dent in the collective consciousness of how we treat debt in this country and i and i have no doubt in my mind that i will be writing a book you know, maybe called debt detox or something like that, but that is going to focus on the, the psychology behind debt and the psychology of how we get into debt, how we don't understand it. And it's not going to really be like an how to of how to get out of debt, but more like a psychological reckoning with the mindset change that's needed to be able to approach a new lifestyle. I mean, I did, I had, I had 20 something thousand dollars in debt. And everything changed when I changed my mindset. I I specifically started framing my mind about the abundance of things that I had as opposed to what I didn't have. And that was the catalyst for everything else that kind of trickled in behind it. Even just having a jar of change on my desk that I called my abundance jar to remind me 
that no matter what was happening, I had all of this abundance around me and, and making lists every single day of all the things that I had an abundance of. And it only took a couple of years for all that debt was gone. And I know. I it's built incredible. a business that did, you know, it's almost done seven figures now. And actually, wow. I've done seven, I've done, I've done more than seven figures, but over a three year period. So it's not, that's like incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating. It all what comes is, down wait, to mindset help me, change. Help me understand because people do talk in that language now and I'm a little bit, I'm, you know, the millennial. Millennials talking seven what seven figures eight figures just tell me how much money that is. I'm about two million. In okay. Sales. Yeah. So in in my career I've collected forty million. Wow. Amazing. And but that's over twenty. You know, same thing. Like that's forty million. That's over. You know, twenty year period. Yeah. I don't like. I think our gross revenue is maybe like a million and a half a year. But revenue is different than collection dollars. But like the way I oh, see sure. that is that's $40 million that I alone am responsible for returning back to this economy. Right. And but the you cash know, all, flow and everything involved. Right. All of this to say, to answer the question, like, because so many people do do ayahuasca and they come back and they want to like, you know, maybe quit their job or something like that. But I believe that because I was already on my path, um, the only thing that's going to happen to me is like stepping even more fully into that empowerment of who I'm meant to be. Because even before, like, even before my ayahuasca experience, like all year I've been talking about like how creating reality from a place of empowerment. You know, if you listen to all these spiritual teachers that talk about law of attraction or talk about manifestation or whatever the heck they're talking about, they use these words that are, are very empty to me. And they're, they don't, they don't like, they'll say alignment, but you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? How can we yeah, how can experience it? it? Yeah. Well, and, and it's, and it always goes deeper because originally I was thinking like alignment is, you know, thoughts, words, actions, choices, all moving in the same direction of what you want. But it's so much more than that because what, what is also a part of alignment and being truly in alignment is forgiveness work because you can't be in alignment with your, the most powerful part of your path. If you have things that from your past that you have not forgiven yourself for or another person. So just like, I feel like my personal definition of alignment is constantly going deeper. And there's also this piece of it that is allowing yourself to be who you really are. I have an entire chapter in conscious communications called um, becoming who you really are. And so I feel like ayahuasca just solidified that for me even more. Like, so my change is to be even more fully present to who I am supposed to be. I was, um, I was doing a reading with my friend and she's like, Mary, she's like, you've got like this tyrant inside of you. And the tyrant, uh, I know what she's talking about. The tyrant is that criticism. The tyrant is that person that's always creating out of fear. That tyrant is the person that's reacting, that's, that's running a very successful business. And one of the things that I realized on ayahuasca is I have a significant percentage of my thoughts that are fear-based. And I didn't know that. That was like a huge awakening because I hear I'm this like empowerment teacher. Like, why am I having these fear-based thoughts? But when you have had a ton of early child trauma, you really become into like a, a survival-based uh, method of me method of creation. And so you're actually creating and manifesting out of a disempowered state, which is fine. You can still get there. But if you can switch yourself to an empowered state of being, 
and you can live in that space, everything that you create, everything you manifest from that space is going to show up stronger, faster, better, be longer lasting, and most importantly, uh, have a much higher impact on your life and the ripple effect of others. And so even though I was like already talking about that prior to ayahuasca, like what I was shown is like, remember, you asked for this knowledge. You asked to remember this. This was the thing that you asked for as your gift. So stop questioning yourself all the time and just go out there and do what you're supposed to do. Wow. <laughs> I'm really happy I asked the question about about the, the, the work because I had no idea you were in debt collecting and how that all wraps back around again. And it gives me goosebumps. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. I, I could talk to you forever about this. Obviously, we are running a little on time, but uh, your book conscious communications which you have sitting back there behind you it's available probably you're you're on a publishing platform right hey yeah i have a house? hay house is yeah. my publisher sweet so this book um this book was like my lifelong dream come true i definitely had wanted to write a book for 10 years and it's conscious communications if you resonate with me at all today my big ask is just like jump on amazon check it out and read a handful of reviews i think that you'll know right away if it is the book for you or not. I'm going to read it. I, I hope love you do. Kitty. I love, I, I love my friends and meeting friends, new friends, even on the podcast and then getting into previous works. And I, I'm really interested to see your mindset before doing this ayahuasca ceremony and then what you come up with afterwards. Um, Cause obviously you've gotten into the writing and that's been a process for you. But once you do it once, you know, I have, I've got this, so I've got the sweet ass journal to develop your happiness muscle in 100 days. Oh, that's and awesome. This is a process that I, I basically, when I went from being an extreme alcoholic with all that debt to creating my business and moving away, I I knew the only way to do that was to study other people who had, had done that before and, and kind of adopt their habits, put them into place. So it's really just a system for other people to to manage that themselves. But when you create something like that and it's so scary before you put it out there, you always think that, you know, it's the fear-based thing that you were talking about. You always think that there's going to be some kind of judgment or pro um, projection of negativity. But then once it's out there and it's influencing other people to then become a higher version of themselves and then create more things that influence other people, like we really see how this gigantic web comes together in this great awakening, which you probably really experienced when you were doing the ayahuasca uh, so yeah, because well. what's really what's really interesting about what you just said is like kind of comparing, say, writing that I did before and writing that I did after. But I was already so spiritually tapped in that I'm not. I mean, other than like describing the ayahuasca experience, and my belief is whenever I go through like another level of spiritual awakening, it's typically the period of like one year afterwards that I begin to receive all the downloads. Because like mm -hmm. honestly, I mean, Keith, you and I could do five episodes, and I could take you through like five other crazy ass mystical experiences where I've had that involved. Like, I mean, I've never had like an alien abduction, but it's not from lack of trying to have one, yeah. <laughs> but, but like getting those, getting sort of those like, um, thought downloads where all of a sudden I will start ripping off on a whole nother level of teaching that is universal knowledge. And so like one of the whole thing that really, you know, completed my journey to lead me to ayahuasca was because someone read my book and said, this is a perfect ayahuasca integration book. And we want you to come and teach everything in your book 
at this place because chapter by chapter, it's a perfect integration experience. And so somehow oh, cool. I, I wrote that prior to that. Yeah. Well, but it's weird because like so many times, like you, when, and you know this from writing yourself, but like things just sort of synchronistically, synchronistically begin to come to you. Like you're led to certain teachings and certain people. And I think one of the things that's going to be different for me as I'm like, smack in the middle of starting my second book is I'm not so like attached to worrying about things like who my publisher is. And, you know, it's great if Hay House wants the book, but if they don't, that's also okay. You know, I'm just totally at ease with however it's going to go down. I love that. I love the reflection and the point of view. Um, I'm really, really happy that you were able to come on here, Mary. Where can people find you on social media? I know everything uh, you... is on your website, which I'll post. I'll post your book to <laughs> Thank um, you. MaryShores.com. And you're, I think you're at Mary Shores, but you have an underscore, right? I think there, well, it depends. So I think on Instagram, there's like a, you know what I'll do is I'll have my assistant send you all the actual links because that's just so much easier than me trying to remember Twitter and Instagram. But definitely I'm on all of them. If you see a girl that looks like relatively like this face, you probably found the right person. You don't have to send anything over. <laughs> I have a my I have an assistant that can pull it for you. But we like I'll put it all up there. I'm I'm really just excited to get this conversation out for people to listen to. Um, yeah, me too. I, I can't wait to listen to it myself. I'm going to send it to a bunch of people that are, it's going to save me having to have the same have phone call over and over. over. I'll be like, here, just listen to this. So you <laughs> also, while I have you on here, I have a good friend, Jared Ngaza, who is uh, very deeply connected to the source. He has a podcast called Anipi Radio, and he gets really, really deep into the subject. And I think you should talk to him. Um, because he is actually in the middle of kickstarting his own retreat center and doing some other things involved with the use of healing and medicinal healing through psychedelics and things like that. Um, so I'm going to introduce you to him. And other than that, like I, I want to send you a sweet ass domination deck. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's kind of humorous, um, inspiration. So if you send me your address, I'll send one over and I just, yeah, I'll send it over to you when, when the episode goes live and I, and I appreciate it. You're awesome. I, I'm yeah, very, I feel like I was there with you. You did such a good job of explaining it. So had no idea well, what direction the conversation was going to go. And then you mentioned the ayahuasca and I was like, yes, like this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is going to be great. So, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Very good. I think it was Paul Lamb that connected us because yeah, I was Paul. on, I was on his show like right before I left and then he connected me with you and I was like, Hey, yeah, I want to be on your show, but I've got to wait till I get back from Peru. <laughs> the timing was was on, you know, it was the way that it should be. And yeah, Paul has the most amazing biceps and chest and abs I've ever seen. If there was a dude, I mean, I feel like he gives me, he makes me want to create like a dating site where straight dudes only bang other straight dudes. And then we can really, we can really push it forward there. I, I, um, I love talking. We talked a little bit about the masculine <laughs> and the feminine on his show. And it was, it was a really great uh, conversation with He's him. He's awesome. Pathfinders, yeah. if everybody wants to go go listen to it, he's a good friend of mine. And yeah, listen to um, the Mary Shores episode is completely different than this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be right. So cool, yeah. Mary. Thank you so much. Um, have an incredible week. And yeah, you as well. Keep keep changing the energy of everybody around you and pushing forward. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place.
place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth in this place called space we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gents, this is Todd, and that was an episode that really made me feel like getting up and dancing, baby. Ooh-wee. I'm going to go down to the rainforest and wrap myself in some big old banana leaves and just have a good old time. If you all want to check out Mary's resource guide full of books and documentaries and podcasts and retreat centers, and there is some super interesting stuff on that list, I suggest you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast, and you can click the Mary Shores episode and scroll on down to the picture that says Ayahuasca Resource Guide and get yourself that little guide as your little companion for the rest of the week. MarySchores.com is Mary's website, and you can follow the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. If this is not your select method of of listening, um, you can go to the website and play them anytime that you want. So, MarySchores.com, at Mary underscore Shores on Instagram, and you can check out her book on Amazon.com. It's called... Conscious Communications, your step-by-step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, and your life. HeathArmstrong.com forward slash review. If you want to leave a review and have $2 donated to the little kiddos over there in Uganda, HeathArmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. If you want to join Um, the giveaway list to get a free sweet-ass domination deck. And if you want to check out that deck on its own, just go to RageCreate.com. And if you want to leave a voicemail for the show, HeathArmstrong.com forward slash voice. All my friends are coming over to play in a little bit, so I got to go. I got to pamper up my face and get my blue suede shoes out of the closet and start getting a little dazzly. But for everybody else out there, I hope you have a beautiful, sensual, seductive day. Ta-ta!